Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and today we are going to cover a topic that we all kind of cringe over, but we know that we need to discuss it. We are going to talk about pornography in kids and teens and how the, how this happens in our in our home. We've been bit with this bug in our home, so I'm very familiar with sort of the angst around um, the parenting angle as well as the teen angle. And I remember talking to Adam, my oldest, um, when he, you know, had gone through the army and he came home and he kind of straightened himself out with all his gaming addiction stuff. And I remember talking to him in detail one night about pornography. And I was shocked to find out what he told me he did when he was 16. And, um, you know, as a parent, one tip that I've always heard is when our teens talk to us, we're not supposed to have that shock, shocked face, <laughs> but I think I did. <laughs> and, and I have, you know, two younger boys and Adam's like, mom, you know, for my brothers, this is what you got to do. And he started giving me all the ins and outs of how to, to keep this, you know, kind of under control for them. And so I really listened intently and I wanted to find out, um, what I could do to help my younger kids. So don't you just wish that you could talk to a teen who had been through this and who had traveled down this rocky path? Well, I do. And, um, I know you do too. So today our guest is just that wonderful person. Ashley Ayer is joining us today. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad we were able to get you on and to just have a conversation about the topic of teenagers and, and pornography. And I know we are just so thankful that you are willing to just be transparent. I, I am that, you know, transparent person over here talking about my stories every day, but I know that that's not easy for everybody. And I just really, really appreciate your willingness to come on and help us unpack some stuff around this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm honored to be here. Well, great. Well, let's get started. Um, what I want to do is have you just share just a little bit about your background and give us sort of a timeline and kind of unpack what happened with you and why you are passionate around this topic. And then after we kind of figure out your story and go through some questions there, then I want you to talk to us about, um, you know, from your mom's perspective. And I think that's going to be fascinating. So go ahead and start just talking about your story. Okay. So I was raised in an amazing family. We have um, a total of eight kids and two amazing parents. And um, we were the weird family always growing up and still are. Um, <laughs> we have a farm and um, we were homeschooled and did everything so naturally. We don't, we don't really like technology. So we didn't do very many movies growing up, which is amazing. And I'm so grateful that so basically i i was also considered the perfect kid in my family and that put a label on i, I guess i kind of put it on myself but i was always the kid who would um be very responsible babysitting at a young age always doing my chores and just basically like my parents um pet you know the teacher's pet and just having that label with me, that kind of 
made things hard when I ran into some addictions and problems because, you know, I always thought I was a perfect person and well, I didn't want anyone like to you, see. Yeah. You felt like you probably had to kind of live up to yeah. a higher standard. And we all know from what we know now about teenage brain development and stuff that that's really hard to do. So, oh my goodness, sure. <laughs> I can see where that was a little bit of a challenge for you to live yeah. up to that. Yeah. So when I was 11 years old, I found a book um, and it was just talking about morality and like the consequences of not making good choices. Um, and it also brought up the story about this kid who um, runs into pornography and has to, um, you know, get out of that. And he talks to his parents. Um, but basically, I just became curious. And so I kind of searched it out. I searched out pornography, of course, soft porn at 11 years old, but we didn't have access to computers or anything. So it was basically in dictionaries and artwork and super weird stuff yeah. um, when I was 11. And then when I was about 12 years old, we moved and it was very intense. Um, we moved super far away, away from our family, um, away from everything we knew. And so that really affected me. We were in school for our first time um, and all these things, it just created kind of the perfect storm. Also right before my, also before we moved, um, my parents had the big sex talk. And so I feel like that was just not the right timing mm -hmm. <laughs> to do that <laughs> because I was just left with all these questions and, you know, I'm so young. And then right after that, I was given a phone because all my friends had phones. Yeah. So it was just this complete mess. Um, <laughs> but of course, my family and my siblings, they were all so busy and dealing with their own problems that I don't want to say that we were neglected or anything, but sure. we were kind of doing our own thing, kind of figuring everything out, sure. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're a little bit on your own. You're... Kind yeah. of a new place, right? You have a phone. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like the triangle kind of comes together and, you know, yeah. I know, I know. And, you know, with parents out there, these things happen. Like we can't orchestrate life in every minute of everything that's going to happen. So talk about then what happened just as you got into like this next layer. Yeah. Um, so with the phone, because it was such a new thing, even for my parents, like, I was having the phone with my brothers. They got out at the same time as me. And so this was all new. We were pretty much the guinea pigs and involved in social media and games and just all the things that come with that. I'm just trying to figure it out and try to fit in with all of my friends. And of course, on social media, there's pornography. And because that curiosity was already put into my brain, I fell for that. And... I didn't really know much about it because we didn't really talk about it much in my family. It's such a taboo subject. I was thrown into that world and that became a coping mechanism for me, which affected my relationships. It also affected my schooling. I had to like be homeschooled on and off about every semester, every other semester, just all these weird things. But like my parents didn't know and I didn't plan to tell them. They didn't realize because I had always been such a good kid, um, they didn't really worry about me. They knew something was up, yeah. but you know, it just didn't occur to them that it would be me struggling with something like this. 
So I pretty much lived the second life for six years and yeah, it went on for a while and it just got so bad just every day that I hated it. I hated myself. I hated my phone. I was so tired of it. I was so tired Mm -hmm. of the addiction that I had to turn to it. Um, And that was really hard on me. So when I was 16, I don't know, it was 2017. I happened to talk, I was talking with my cousin and we just kind of got on the topic randomly. And we realized that we were more similar than we realized. And we decided to talk to um, one of our religious leaders and to get some help. I didn't, wow. I didn't plan to tell my parents ever. Um, yeah. But I was, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I basically, with the help of like podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff, I figured out how to get out of it. Wow. And I'm so grateful. Um, so that was basically my story with pornography. But that ended the beginning of 2017, I think, or 2018. And then later that year, I had a surgery, a jaw surgery. And so I wasn't able to eat for about a month. And so because of all of the negative effects from social media and pornography, um, that really hurt my body image. Like after I, you know, when I was losing weight and then I had to start eating again, I developed binge eating disorder and it was just this whole mess. And why I bring that up is because I realized that those two addictions, they're so similar to each other because I was coping when I was dealing with my binging, I had to cope with it in such an um, intense way. And so pornography kind of came back in on and off, um, which scared me. I was, yeah. you know, bouncing around from addictions. And so I was able to recover from my binging disorder about nine months later. And it was really fascinating because the same steps that I used to overcome pornography, it was about the same steps I used to get over my eating disorder. No, that's very insightful because addiction is addiction. Doesn't really matter what the thing is. It has the same effects, you know, on you as a person. It is very difficult to get out. The younger that it starts, you know, like with my son, his gaming started really young. It's just the harder it is to get out of it, which is why this is such an insidious problem for youth today and for our kids. Um, and I feel like you're, you're just, we're just first, let me just say again, we're just so excited to have you here to talk to you because there are just so many desperate parents out there um, when it comes to this issue. And I just remember that devastation so well, and I'm sure you being a teenager living through it, you know, um, experienced it of course, in the worst way, but parents are also on this other end. You know, they learn about these things that are happening to their kids. And and we're going to talk about that here in a second with your mom. But I remember when I first found out with one of my kids that this was happening, it, it was just a grieving process that I went through. And it was almost um, like this little death of this childhood that then I felt like, you know, um, 
this sixth grader, you know, wasn't a child anymore because they've been exposed to things. And so for parents, it's, it's super hard, but if you could just, just sort of walk through a little bit of the platforms or, I mean, like with social media, I just want to get real clear with parents about when you think you have your, your smartphone locked down, or you think there's parental controls, or you think that you're monitoring really well, I just want parents to understand that there's really very little that you can do to keep porn out of your kid's life when they have a handheld device. You know, it's the smaller the screen, the more porn viewing there will be. You know, when you have a big, huge um, desktop computer in your home, there's probably going to be less on that than there would be on a laptop. There'll be less on that than there would be on a smartphone in your pocket. So explain um, just the different apps and did you hide this from your mom? Did you go to, I mean, it sounds like maybe you were just on regular apps like Snapchat and Instagram and Pinterest and stuff like that. So just chat about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Snapchat was a huge issue. You can't really, I know parents like think it's okay to let their kids just kind of snap their friends, you know, like there's, it doesn't seem like there's much harm in it. There's filters, but the explore page is awful. You can't hide that. And there's all these stories and there's, um, of course they use not very good topics so that they get more views. Um, so that was definitely one of the worst apps. And I've kind of, I was pretty sneaky when it came to um, hiding apps and stuff. So I was able to hide that one and use it. So I definitely recommend to not even have that app as a kid. I don't think it's worth it. You said you were sneaky. Every kid is sneaky. Okay. Right. I w of course, you're a little bit older now. You understand this more now, but I just want to really validate you there because that is your job to be sneaky mm -hmm. when you're a kid. And it's not that these kids are at all bad kids. It's not anything about being bad. Like, you know, culture kind of puts this weird thing out there. It's, that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a natural curiosity. And then once you start getting in this loop, this dopamine addiction reward pathway loop, then your body's sort of just craving this dopamine and it is a drug. And just like any other addict, you will lie, steal and cheat to get your drug. And, um, so it's not about really like a heart issue, you know, I, and I just want to make that clear for parents. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, your kids are rebelling or they're trying to lie to you. That's not it. It's a, it's driven by this stuff going on in your brain, but go ahead. So right. there's Snapchat. And then what, what was the other one? Um, another huge one was Instagram for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much on there. Mm -hmm. I think parents think that that one's pretty okay because you're just looking at your friends' pictures and stuff. But, oh, man, like all of the things on Explore page, again, um, and just the easy hashtags. You know, you just type a word and there's hundreds, mm -hmm. thousands of pictures. And, like, you don't have to – I don't know. It's different from Safari because you can't be tracked. You can just clear your searches I guess you can do that with Safari, but it's a little mm -hmm. different. You don't have to follow those accounts. You just, you know, I would just check on them. I would, you know, just anything to 
I don't know. It's just so easy up there. Yeah. All right. What about Pinterest? Pinterest, surely, mm. right? Isn't that's what parents say all the time? Well, that's, yes. I, I've had parents tell me, okay, so I do a lot of presentations out in schools and parents will come up to me. Oh, well, I don't need to take their phone away because we've got everything locked down, Melanie. The only thing I allow is Pinterest. <laughs> and I'm looking at them like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk about Pinterest. Oh, man. The printer's important. Yeah. Pinterest, well, that was a huge one. I feel like wow. parents don't even think about that one, nope. which is weird because it's just pictures. <laughs> but <laughs> Duh. I know. <laughs> but yes, definitely that was a huge one. It just, you know, you click on a picture and then it shows you more and then you just keep going yeah. and everyone's on there. So right. it is very addicting. There are so many good things about it. Of course, with technology, there's good and bad. Yeah. Pinterest is a very dangerous one. You know, that's so interesting um, that you say with technology, there's good and bad. And that's what lures us in. And I will just say at this point that um, parents have blind spots. And one of our blind spots is that we think that our kids will never turn to this type of content. And it's okay that you know, we have these blind spots, but we have to wake up from our blind spots and we have to um, get our head out of the sand and realize that I don't think, and maybe you can help me clarify, but I don't really think there's any app that is, I mean, I, I've watched kids get to a porn site on a weather app, yeah. you know, so I'm I'm trying to think, is it safe to say there's probably no app that is free from this stuff? I think that it's just everywhere. And when this, my discovery with all the issues with Pinterest happened about four years ago or three years ago, and I, I was shocked myself. And here I was teaching this stuff for a while, but never had really done any research on this. And, and it was in my own, I, when a mom came over and gave me her kid's phone and I was trying to show her how to, to check on stuff. And that's when all this discovery happened. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is who they're following on Pinterest. And what happens with, with Pinterest and a lot of these other things is like, if you're following someone's board, you have no, as a parent, you have no control over what those people are following or who those people are following. Mm -hmm. And so, so within one click, your child is completely out of their world that you thought they were following their eight friends from eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And now they are um, linked to all these other, you know, people. So that's, that's how it happens. And we got to take our blinders off. We got to get rid of these blind spots and realize that our kids are really being hurt by this. This is devastating. And I'll just say um, that uh, one of my neuro neurologist, neuroscientist friends a physician. And he told me that when kids and adults, but especially kids, you know, when they see graphic sexual content, that it, it makes like a little, um, memory chip in their brain. And it, it's so disturbing to think this, but when I do presentations, I, many times when we're talking about this topic, I'll have people raise their hands and I'll just say, raise your hand. If you can remember the very first porn experience you had and generally the whole room <laughs> will raise their hand. Like they, they remember that first porn, you know, experience because it was so traumatic. And then, then we kind of get desensitized to some of these images, but the way um, this doctor just explained it to me was 
that every time you see, especially like a video, you know, cause that's just more stimulation in your brain that you're kind of storing this image. And so, um, that's what I think, you know, every day when I get up, when I think about my kids' media use, when I think about what they're going to be exposed to. And now the boys, now my boys are 16 and we do talk about this a lot more than, you know, we used to, but I just tell them, guys, I'm trying to protect that library in your brain. And we don't want to fill that one up. (laughs) We don't want these little memory chips in your brain of all this stuff. And that's what I'm, I'm so sad, you know, for you and for other teenagers that have had to kind of go through this. But then I'm also really excited that you were able to talk about it and be so transparent about it. When you said that, you know, your mom gave you the phone, y'all were guinea pigs. I get that totally. I I was just like your mom. I did exactly the same thing. I handed over the stuff to my son. I had no idea what I was doing. Talk, talk a little bit about that relationship with your mom and how it was then and um and how it is today basically my i guess thinking back about it like my my dad was the one that was more involved in the technology he wanted us to be able to fit in and stuff but my mom was always against it and she still is we've always been really close but i'd never wanted to tell her like the deep stuff Mm -hmm. And of course, over the years, especially this year, I've really opened up to her. And now we just talk about everything. I tell her everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really awesome to be able to be close to my family, not have to be scared um, that they're going to find out something that if they look at my phone, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm screwed. It's just amazing to me now. And I wish that I was able to talk to them earlier that would have really helped mm-hmm. me get over it faster, I think. What do you think would have helped knowing what you know now, looking back, if if you could go back in time and knock on the door to your house and go talk to your mom, like, I don't know, maybe right before all this started happening or in the middle of it when it was happening, what would you say to her about about your use, about, you know, you're, you're sitting there talking to your mom. She has an 11-year-old daughter you know, with the phone, right? 12 year old daughter with the phone. What, what would you now say? Um, not as your, not as her, not as her daughter, but just right. as a trusted friend. It sounds kind of harsh, but I would honestly um, tell her to not trust me with the phone. Mm. I would, you know, it's not that she wouldn't trust me, but trust, like don't trust the phone. Mm. And I don't think they understood that, you know, because I am such a trustworthy kid. They just didn't really understand the dangers that were right there and that that I was accessing that. I would basically say to not trust me, which is weird. No, that's a really good point because what you're really saying is that parents shouldn't trust the device. And of course we shouldn't. And and why are we trusting our kids to use something that we can't trust? Mm-hmm. That doesn't really make sense. I've never really thought about it that way. That's really interesting. I I always think about it in terms of I want my kids to trust me. I am not going to trust them. Mm-hmm. I learned that lesson the hard way. It does not mean that I don't love them. They might interpret it that way, but that doesn't matter because I'm a parent and I know better now what to do. 
but my goal is to get them to trust me so they will let me guide them down the right path. And in order to do that, you've got to have super good, you know, relationships with your kids. You just got to talk to them all the time. You got to know what they're doing. You got to know who they're hanging out with. You got to know what they're looking at on their computer. You, you have to just know them really well. And this was probably kind of a lonely time for you being a 12 year old girl Mm -hmm. hiding this secret. I think that would be really hard to hide that. Let me just tell you really quick. You'll so understand this story. It's just a really short story about a friend of mine who called me one day and um, I might've mentioned this before on a podcast. I don't know, but, um, but her eighth grade boy had come downstairs for school. And so he came down the stairs into the kitchen and he was screaming at her, mom, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And he was having this huge fit and she didn't know what was going on. It was in the morning. Like she hadn't done anything yet, you know, and he's yelling at her and he's crying and he had his smartphone and he threw it, uh, um, all over uh, against the countertop in the kitchen. It was granite and it just, just, you know, cracked and broke and went flying all over the kitchen. And, um, and when she was calling me, you know, she was weeping, she's telling me this and I'm like, what happened? Why was he so angry at you? And she said, well, we just got him the smartphone two weeks ago and he got caught in a pornography habit, like super quick. And, and he was so mad at his mom for giving her, you know, him that phone. Like he, and this is like, what I'm talking about this trust. He didn't trust her. And, um, you're supposed to be able to trust your mom, but I'm not vilifying any mom out there because I've been there, but can you relate to that feeling that he had like Mm -hmm. lashing out at the person that he thought was supposed to protect him? I mean, I don't know. That was shocking kind of to me when I heard that story. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I remember times when I did just want to tell her, um, and just like beg her. I just really wanted her to take my phone away. Mm-hmm. Which is see, yeah. that's really interesting. It's weird because, of course, I loved it to text my friends and do the good stuff, but I just really hated my phone and wanted her to take it away wow. without me telling the reason why. And that, hmm. yeah, that was pretty much the whole time I had my phone during that the six years. So you really, you would not have hated your mom if she had taken it away from you. Oh yeah, absolutely not. That would have been great and saved me a lot of trouble. Because so many times we don't do things because we think our kids are not going to like us anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just, I love to hear you say that, that you really were craving for her to take it away. But in your development and where you were with your, you know, child development, that's not your job. You know, you, you, that you weren't able to articulate that to her. Mm-hmm. It, Developmentally speaking, you know, that's not what we would expect from any, any kids. Is there anything else you would have, you would have told your mom, obviously you would have told your mom not to trust the phone, not to trust the apps to, to delay it. What, what if she said, well, Ashley won't have any friends. If I take her phone away, what would you have said? (laughs) I would say that that's definitely not true. Mm. It might be scary for me at first because I, don't know what that would have been like. Like I would be able to get over it so fast. And that would have been so nice, you know, because even when I was hanging out with my friends, of course, with my phone, 
Um, I was able to text my friends and hang out with them. Of course, I could do that on my mom's phone. It's just so different when mm-hmm. when all of your friends have phones. I feel like it's just everyone kind of grew up too fast. And mm-hmm. it's hard to be a kid. It's hard to actually have friends, uh, which also sounds weird. But it's hard to be friends when everyone is so connected with their phone. Um, so personally, I would be all for having my phone being taken away, even if my mom was worried about me not having friends, not hanging out, because that's not true. I know. And I mean, we have um, a gap phone for our kids now and they can text their friends. And you know what? They have, I mean, that's all you need to do is text your friends to meet up at places. Mm-hmm. You don't need to follow like all these people anyway. And it gets you in so much trouble. And I'm like, I'm so... I'm so sad that you had to go through all that. And I'm like, so excited though, that, that you get to redeem your story. It just needs to be, you know, we need more stories from people like you who uh, you have been through it because it's super easy to, you know, for people who haven't been through it to try to talk about it. Mm -hmm. What would you say if you were, you know, I'm sure you've talked to kids about this and, mm-hmm. um, and, and what would you, what do you say to eighth graders who are very mad that their parents don't trust them and, you know, their parents aren't giving them access to all this stuff? I mean, how would you encourage them? Yeah, I would tell them to honestly trust your parents and they just really, truly love you and want what's best for you and just try to help them understand. It's, it's hard for kids. It really is. It's so much easier when they're able to get on the same page. Yeah, and when they get a little, as they get a little bit older, every year that goes by, they can understand a little bit more. I think it's really hard when they're in middle school. I think that's probably the hardest age, mm-hmm. and that's when you kind of got looped into things because, you know, you just think that your parents don't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sometimes <laughs> we think we're in when we're in middle school, and so parents have to be they have to have an extra thick skin and, you know, it's almost just like you have to, I don't know, you don't turn a deaf ear to your kids at all. I I never did that, but, but I definitely remember with my younger boys when they were begging me in middle school when they were begging me for a phone, I was so resolved at that point after what I had been through, you know, with my other kids that my older two, that, um, you know, I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to give in. But, you know, Ashley, it's so hard because parents want to believe that their kids are not going to look at this stuff. And I just want to, again, make make it really clear how devastating it is. And then with you, even with your story, how it led to some other addictions. Um, we are so excited that you were, that you basically got through that, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you're on the other end of it, but I think that it's probably something that you'll have to sort of watch, you know, like we all have to watch it, but Mm -hmm. seriously, you're going to have to watch this, you know, warning signs and the, um, the things really from now on. I mean, but we all have to be so careful, you know what I mean? Yeah. But once you've been there, it, you got to be tough. You just got to be tough to keep your head up and, and keep things clear. You know, a lot of kids get involved with, um, bad content when they're bored, right? Mm -hmm. I hear this a lot. So I think one thing parents can do, and I'm sure 
maybe you can share a few little tips about your recovery and getting past this. But I, I know one thing that parents can do is just keep their kids busy and keep them busy with really productive things that take a lot of energy, you know, where you're tired, (laughs) you're so tired, you don't have time to get in in trouble. But what are some of the things that you did that really kind of helped you? Because you have a phone now, I imagine, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you keep, you know, that accountability in place? Well, right now, I, I guess right after I um, dealt with all of that. I made sure to really clean up um, all of my apps and, you know, get rid of all of those triggers and those dangerous places. I deleted a lot of apps too. And so just cleaning everything up, um, that was super helpful. Yeah. And right now I am 19, but I, and I use my phone, you know, to do work and other important things. Um, and that's just something I'm going to have to have, but I choose to do time limits for myself just because I know that's that's right, what right. helps me yeah. like staying accountable with my mom telling her if I am having a hard time you know just communicating that has been super helpful mm-hmm. for me and I'm grateful that she is willing to do that I feel like another big thing was just getting the shame out of the way sure. talking about all these taboo things and making it you know less less about shame and and not thinking that I am a bad person if I run into pornography, you know, yeah, you know, it does all come down to mindset too. If you had a parent that you were talking to that said, Ashley, I have an 11 year old, you know, I, I really want to talk to them about this, but I'm really afraid that if I, if I bring it up, it's going to make them more curious and it's going to make them go behind my back and just start seeking it out. What would you say? What's the best way to answer that question? I definitely recommend to talk about it, but the key is to have continuous conversations about it. And it will be awkward for the kid, of course. Um, And maybe they won't have much to say. Maybe they don't want to ask questions, but by you bringing it up and like just casually talking about it, I think that really kind of helps the kid realize like hey okay this is a big problem but I can come to my mom Mm. you know just opening that door yeah I think that is so smart that is such a great way to put it it is um it's like you're shedding light in the dark place so once the light is in the dark place and mom knows about it or mom knows enough about it that she can maybe she doesn't know about what the 11 year old is doing or if he's ever, or she has ever seen anything, but just by bringing something up and talking about it kind of takes the power away. Maybe it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. now my mom knows. And so the kids are probably going to get super cringy and embarrassed. And, you know, I started this practice um, when my kids were in middle school because I decided that I was just going to have to be that parent that talked about it. And I remember feeling like, Oh no, is this going to make them go search it out and try to go look at this stuff? But it was very age appropriate. You know, I, I didn't get graphic or anything. I just, you know, explained to them that Mm -hmm. there are things out there that are on the internet they shouldn't look at. And that, you know, there, that we have 
little red flags in our brain, you know, because we know when we shouldn't be looking at something and they were nodding, they, you know, they agree, they, they, you know, they understand that. But I think what you said, what you just said about keeping this conversation going is the key because I made sort of a mistake um, when we had the sex talk with my kids. I think they were in third grade because something happened <laughs> at, at the ball field. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go talk to them about sex. And so of course it made my husband do that, you know, like whatever. So he went and talked to him. And then like six months later, something else came up and one of them said, you remember that was about that conversation that mom had about sex. And the other one said, what is sex again? I don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> And I was like, oh, dang, so we have to do this again? And so then that was just silly me not realizing that, yeah, as they grow, it's a continuous conversation. So, so now, yeah. you know, exactly. So now we talk about pornography and we talk about, not like we sit down every day and talk about it, but we talk about what have you seen? Mm -hmm. Have you seen anything? You know, where have you been on your, on your computer, whatever. And it's just, we keep it in the light so they won't mm -hmm. feel shame if they have to tell me that something's happened or you know i don't want it to be dark i want it to just be something that is on the table and we can talk about it and you know i think it helps when you can talk to your kids about other things too that you kind of put that in there too like it's just in and what what you also said about um it just what like you like what you said that it would have been nice if you could have talked to your mom about it i think that's really key we want to just keep these doors really open so our kids will come to us and you know before it gets too deep because the deeper it gets the harder it is for them you know i imagine to come talk about it so if mom mm -hmm. or dad you know if they're constantly trying to not constantly, but I don't know, you know, every week or so, I guess, in this day and age that we live in, um, kind of do a check yeah. and say, you know, have you been uncomfortable with stuff that you've seen? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, I don't know, looking back, maybe that would have been helpful for you. I think it's fascinating that you, mm -hmm. that you think you, that you really wanted your parents to take your phone away. I know that we get a lot of eye rolls, you know, when we recommend that we totally as an organization recommend that kids don't need smart phones. They can have communication devices, but they do not need the internet in their pocket 24 hours a day. They are not, mm -hmm. you know, mature enough. They don't, they don't have yeah. the um, frontal cortex capacity. And the way I say it is their frontal cortex, you know, isn't plugged in yet. <laughs> it's not connected. <laughs> Totally. So they don't have the tools in their emotional toolkit to figure out how to handle it. Most adults are not able to handle it. So why do we think that kids are able to handle all that? You know, they can't. It's just crazy. They can't handle it. If you, if your parents didn't give you a phone and if none of this would have happened, maybe it still would have happened on a computer, but in general, and let's just say you were 18 when you got a smartphone for the first time. Do you think that would have been really weird? Or do you think, do you think you would have gotten into some of this stuff as, as easily if you hadn't grown up with the smartphone in your pocket? I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to bait you. I'm trying to just say, can you think about what it would have been like to go through that part of your life without a smartphone and then 
I mean, cause that's obviously where most kids look at porn. Let's just be clear on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you had woken up on your 18th birthday and that's when you got a smartphone, do you think you would have been behind? Do you think you would have, what would that have looked like? Yeah. If I didn't have a phone, I highly doubt any, any of this would have happened just because I was so involved in so many amazing things. Mm. I would have been able to continue developing my talents and, you know, focus my time into schooling. And honestly, I feel like I would have used my time so much better too mm. if I didn't have a phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it would have been hard in some ways, um, just like for communication reasons, but I don't think social media was even healthy. Mm. You know, I think I would have totally been fine to get it when I was 18 mm-hmm. and to be happy. You know, it would have been more like a tool, probably, you know, right. Yeah, I would have grown up enough to understand mm-hmm. um, more about myself and be able to handle such a powerful tool in better ways. Wow, that really makes sense. I mean, it's fascinating how that little four inch screen can really change our kids lives. And, um, you know, just the time. I didn't even think about that until you just said it, the waste of time, because, you know, when you're scrolling through all this stuff, it's, you think it's five minutes and it's been, you know, almost an hour, right? Like you can't even seriously track and the dopamine and all of the stuff that happens when those images are up there is just, um, it's too much of a lure. It's a big hook and it, and you can't, you can't put it down. So what is the risk of kids not having smartphones, actually? I'm trying to think what they are. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What's the risk? Hmm, you don't get a look at porn. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. It's we, we weigh other things in our life and in our world with the benefit versus the risk or the risk versus the cost, you know, the cost versus the benefit or whatever I'm saying. So when we look at phones, um, yeah, so that's really interesting that I don't really see. It seems like there's a lot of risk, not, not, yeah. not so much benefit. I mean, the benefit is that you can text your mom when you're late for basketball practice, but you can do that on a non-internet, you know, non-smartphone phone. Hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so you would have been okay. You don't think your head would have exploded off your shoulders or something. And you would have, <laughs> you would have been okay if you got on a phone later. And you probably, yeah. like you said, wouldn't have had to go through all the issues you went through. Yeah. Well, that's food for thought for everybody who's out there listening. <laughs> um, I think, Ashley, we need to listen to you. I, I'm always really big on listening to people who have walked the path and been through the fire and have come out on the other side. And we just can't thank you enough for being so transparent. Is there one more thing that you might want to close with? I'm Again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but just a final thing that you want parents to hear before we close to encourage them. I just want to tell every parent to really connect with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're just losing that. Parents are getting sucked into their own phones and kids are getting lost in their own phones. Mm-hmm. I just really wish that parents would spend more time bonding with their kids, getting to know them. Um, that would really change so many things. Gosh. If the parents were talking with their kids and hanging out and, you know, and not saying that you have to be their best friend, of course, be their coach, but be one of their really good friends 
someone that they can turn to and be comfortable with. How simple that is. Yeah. I think parents sometimes think that they can't handle this problem because it's going to be too complicated and too hard, but you nailed it. And, you know, I, I get very emotional when I hear you say that because that's it. We, we have to spend more time with our kids and we have to get to know them in all these areas of their life. And that's how they feel loved, you know, is when the only way you can love them is by spending time with them. And, and the only way they're going to feel loved is if you really know your kids. And um, thank you so much for sharing that. I I can't even say anything else. I mean, that is, like, that is such a great way to end this, to just spend more time with your kids and connecting with them. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming. Of course. Join our, our Screen Strong Families Facebook group. Join the challenge. We have a challenge. And Ashley, this, this would have probably been helpful for your mom back when you were 12 to take this challenge, take seven days, take this time away, <laughs> right? And yes. just to get started, we know that at least a month, it's going to take that to reset your brain and reset your habits. And you talked about triggers and all that, but thank you so much for sharing your story. Just thank you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Remember that we have your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Mm -hmm.